Hey, Juventini, welcome back to the All UV Cast channel, where it's all UV all the time. And uh, yeah, bitter, bitter pill to swallow there yesterday. Juventus played a fantastic match. We were on the opposite end of uh, the result. Um, it's uh, a living we made, usually, uh, being on the other side. And unfortunately, uh, yesterday was yet another one where we maybe felt uh, like we got Juve'd. Uh, I've got Omar here anyways. We're going to get into everything. There's so much to talk about um, in the aftermath of this match yesterday. It was a wild match. It was an absolutely wild match for a game that ended 1-0. Um, no shortage of talking points. So we've got uh, a ton of you with us uh, already. Alex P wanting us to uh, get this thing going. Well, we had some technical things. That was my fault. Okay. So I had to get that sorted out, but uh, we're happy to see all of you here right out of the gate. If for anybody that's going to be tuning into this podcast on your audio outlets, make sure you get over to the YouTube channel. Okay. And uh, subscribe there. We have uh, news videos, uh, match day lives, watch alongs, live reactions. Everything is on YouTube. So make sure you get over there and show some love. We also have a uh, way Flavich kit. We are going to be giving away. We're not far off from 2k. Let's make sure we get there. So everybody, thank you for the support. Let's keep doing it. Share the uh, content as well. Yesterday, was awesome too because Lucci and Anthony did a fantastic job and I have a massive thank you for them for taking the initiative and running the first ever watch party which was at Cafe Juventus. It was cool for me um, even just being on the opposite side of the country seeing them link up with uh, some followers and subscribers who have been there since day one of the podcast. So that part of it was really, really cool. And uh, seeing them uh, take photos with those guys and just hanging out. Um, and even some content creators amongst the Calcio community that were able to make it out there and be our guests. So uh, massive thank you to Anthony and Lucci for getting it done. And massive thank you to our supporters. I got a bunch of pictures that were... Uh, being uh, DM'd and tagged to us on Instagram as well. It was uh, fantastic. So uh, a lot of uh, love, and we're going to keep trying to get those going occasionally in Toronto. For anyone that's in Toronto and the greater Toronto area, if you haven't checked out Cafe Juventus, go over there, give a big hello to uh, Giovanni, a great Juventino, and uh, enjoy uh, some of the uh, great coffee and uh, panini and everything. It's just it's a great, great setup. The mural alone is worth going there to see the fantastic UV mural. Now, without further ado, I see some of the comments already in here. And, uh, you know, you've got Teswari, one of the most scandalous matches in recent memory. Reminded me of how we were screwed against Lyon and Porto. Same story recurring against Villarreal, North Macedonia and Inter. Omar, are you ready for this uh, whirlwind of a Derby d'Italia recap? Yes, yes, been ready since the final whistle blew. So let's get it on. There we go. Let's get it on. So the lineups. Uh, lineups were exactly as uh, projected. The only difference was Adrian Rabio made his way into it. And uh, I still was uh, skeptical of if we were going to, in fact, see a 4-2-3-1 or if it would be more of like a 3-4-1-2 just to kind of rule out Brozovic. I know in the match day live, I said Brozovic should be in the lineup. A lot of uh, um, the live chat said that he wasn't going to be in there. He was in there. Um, and they also ended up playing Dumfries. I would rather have had Darmian in there from the start, but uh, they went going with... Uh, Dumfries and I think it was a good call from Inter but uh, the lineup for us 
it was still very attack minded. It was still uh, very, very strong. And uh, Rabio went in there. I ultimately had no issues with it because a lot of what we said in the match day live, sometimes the tactics, all this, you overthink it, it goes right out the window because it becomes a dogfight. I literally said that in match day live, and this game was a dogfight. Your thoughts on uh, that uh, initial lineup and everything, Omer? Yeah, of course, uh, seeing Rabio instead of Zakaria, uh, you know, kind of twisted me a bit, but uh, he did well, and Zakaria wasn't probably 100% fit. Uh, I'm sure he didn't plan going in on the 30th minute, but shit happens. So, besides that, we've discussed everything uh, on the match day live because uh, it wasn't was unchanged except for Rabio. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, like we get people uh, so fired up. I got to say Rabio, um, we will talk about Rabio in this one. It, uh, the whole thing caught me off guard. And if we look statistically at the end of this thing, it would have caught everybody off guard. We know based on uh, some of the predictions we had um, that uh, all those statistics caught us right off guard. Um, you know, if you would have said going into that game that those stat lines, we would be on that uh, dominating end of it. I don't think any of us would have agreed. Do you think so, Omer? Uh, yeah. Yeah, basically, yeah. The, the game was dominated by Juve for 90 minutes. It's been a really long time since, I see, since I've seen this type of play. And against arguably the best uh, midfield in in Syria and we dominated every bit of it with two midfielders something went right with the statistics uh the goal is just a shame okay we'll get to it later but the statistics don't lie the result lies yeah and that's the thing basically yeah that is basically basically it now without further ado you know, we've got a lot of comments already coming in. The ref, all this. Let's get right into the game. And uh, we didn't have to wait long for uh, one of the pieces right out of the gate. And uh, boom. Well, the title of this week's episode, look how they massacred my boy. So this is uh, a minute and a half in. And uh, Lotaro uh, clips Loka. High boot. Uh, and uh, Loka gets uh, cut up. He's got a, a pretty good swell over his eye there. He gets bandaged up. And uh, welcome to the club of uh, the bandaged and uh, wounded there, uh, Loka. But, man, so a lot of shouts for straight red initially. And uh, on my watch along, my live reaction, I just said, and I fell victim to this too because I just think it's, and whether it's right or wrong, I just figured it was going to be yellow. And uh, I just figured because, number one, it's so early into the match. And I know that that shouldn't factor it in, but it's just so early in one of these big matches. And uh, Loka ended up being still okay, just cut up. And I just saw it being a yellow. And I know that I fall victim to that to that whole thing where it's early in a match where it shouldn't necessarily matter if it's a first minute, if it's a 75th, if it's a red, it's a red. But... I just I figured it was going to be just a yellow uh, first infraction, um, but is what it is. Omar, were you thinking straight red immediately? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they got saved by the the fact that it was just the first minute and yeah. the ref wants to ease things up. But that's a straight red. That's a boot to the face, a high boot to the face. Yeah, 
I've seen someone uh, live receive that kind of uh, of foul. He broke his eye socket. He passed out immediately and was evacuated by a helicopter to a hospital. Uh, the treatment yeah. was awful. It was like a four-month uh, rehabilitation. That could have gone much worse. Yeah. Much worse. And lucky for us, for Locatelli. Uh, but it took him out of the game immediately. The, uh, the way I saw him react afterwards, it was out of the game. Yeah. That's a straight red. And that's why I said, I mean, I fell victim to, I fell victim to this myself, thinking it's going to be just yellow and uh, really fine with it because of the fact that it was like first infraction and a minute and a half in, but easily, easily could have been red. I agree with you completely. I agree with everybody in the comments here, Alex as well. Uh, easily uh, could have been a red. Massive thank you to uh, Ahmad here for uh, the donation. Uh, very, very uh, kind of you. And he says that penalty was very soft. Rabio was great. Uh, hope he keeps that pace. We have a big issue with scoring as no one seems able to take a clean shot. We will definitely get to uh, all of this. And Hamad, uh, thank you again. Very, very much appreciated. Now, let's get to uh, some more of uh, the rest of the highlights, really. Um, we just got into one key moment, and it's a minute and a half in. You knew that kind of set the tone for the way this uh, Derby d'Italia was going to play out. So Juventus starts off very good, and uh, we almost got a Handanovic uh, blunder right out of the gate, and you, you can almost bank on those uh, during the game. Unfortunately, we weren't able to capitalize on this one. He punches this thing out, and it actually goes straight up and closer to his goal line. As it comes down, Chiellini gives him a little bit of a push away and then just wasn't able to deflect it enough, hits his knee and bounces up off the bar and comes out. And I thought, oh, my God, that would have been the perfect way to kick this one off. Uh, a Handanovic air leading to a goal just to rattle him even more and uh, get these guys on their uh, toes. But uh, no such luck for Juventus. We move on. And this is uh, a shame because Locatelli ends up having to leave the match. Juventus plays a pretty strong first half, okay? And there's uh, opportunities in here. We don't have the clips of certain ones, but Quadrado was doing great. Morata had a great one-timer opportunity that was blocked by Brozovic. That was probably the biggest uh, opportunity. We had Vlaovic on a great cross back post meeting Morata, who actually didn't get the angle right on his header and it went back across goal. So we were getting good opportunities. Dybala took a rip from like 30 to 32 yards out uh, that had uh, Handanovic moving, but always a little too high. And then Locatelli ends up uh, suffering an injury. So he has to come off. He's in tears. Uh, he literally got beat the hell out of in this one in the middle of the pitcher. He was taking knock after knock after knock. We saw the boot to the face a minute and a half in. Finally, he had a knee issue. Luckily, it doesn't sound like it's... Uh, too bad because he's got about 20 days approximately that they figure you're muted omar sorry it was four weeks they gave an answer so omar they finally gave four four weeks okay so a yeah. little bit longer um and there you have it uh so not uh that was very very concerning and alarming at uh initial uh look but uh it's good that uh it's not as bad i guess so when he leaves the pitch, we have Zakaria that comes on. And 
my initial reaction on the watch along was trying to figure out if these guys were going to be able to do it uh, and carry that load in the middle and how it's going to still work for us to keep that's that rate of play and the creation so omar i'm going to ask you what your thought was when locatelli had to lead the pitch and uh what do you think when you saw zakaria coming in uh it, it seems like it was a planned substitution anyway uh, because of the projected lineup and everything zakaria was planned on playing at some point we lost a bit of balance for like 10 minutes when locatelli came out uh, but we regained it initially. I think Zakaria was great and filled in admirably. Uh, but it's a tough blow. Locatelli has been our best midfielder this season and losing him after we basically lost him since minute one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a big blow. Uh, we just can't seem to catch a break with those weird injuries. So it bummed me out. It bummed me out. I thought Inter would take control of the match afterwards, but uh, evidently they didn't. Yeah, I was I was pretty skeptical about uh, the Zakaria change for Locatelli. But honestly, when you look at uh, some of the options, and this is something we'll talk about further on in the match too, it's it's a tough, tough swing. I thought Zakaria would be the natural change up to Rabio. Um, but if you enter Artur, you're still not getting the full support offensively of Locatelli. And to be honest, this pivot, caught me right off guard, uh, Zakaria and Rabio. Um, Zakaria showing us way more. Um, and that might just be because of the fact that, unfortunately, he's been out. Like, we only saw him for a bit before he, uh, from his arrival and then getting injured again. So we still don't know the full range, uh, truly, of Zakaria. But uh, fantastic from him uh, when he stepped on. However, once Locatelli did leave, Inter was able to put a little bit of a wave on us uh, in the first uh, at the end of towards the end of the first half. And this is where this whole scenario comes up from. You see Dumfries getting the ball back after Barella got it lost, but uh, falls to Dumfries, who's just inside the edge of the area, takes a step in. Morata finds himself on the outside, sticking a foot in, uh, even with Sandro there. And it doesn't look like Dumfries is going to do anything harmful there, but uh, he steps in, goes to VAR. And it's called, and it is what it is. Um, I was pretty upset uh, with Morata just sticking a foot in there. you got to be 100% sure there. And like I said, you've got Sandro right there. Um, that one was a little frustrating for me, but it is what it is. goes to PK. So I wanted, I was screaming for Tech, get it right, let's go, guess right. He's been money as far as where he's guessing. He does guess right. He stops his thing, comes back out. I see it go in the net after this melee. And uh, I'm thinking, oh, my God, we just can't get a break. Then I see the ref's arm calling for foul. Okay, this is fantastic. No, hold the phone. Delict gets called for coming in early. I've seen a lot of fans' reactions to this, and they're breaking down the photo after. They're going back to uh, this scenario uh, right here, and they're saying Danilo touched the ball first. That literally does not matter in this scenario. So anytime uh, a player... Uh, in it has an infraction. So if a player steps in early, which is what uh, Delict he did do, and he gets called on it, it literally doesn't matter. Um, if the ball gets kicked wide, if the ball goes in the net, then the ref can just leave it as a goal. But in any other scenario, um, and the play goes on, 
they have the power to shut it down and have a retake. So just need to clear that up for everybody that had the photos of Danilo touching the ball first. It literally has no bearing on this, but this was a frustrating sequence. Omar, did you have the same frustrations uh, I did with uh, Morata just sticking that foot in there? I thought you didn't need to, but regardless, this whole scenario, what was your what were your thoughts here? I, I don't know what to think anymore about the refereeing decisions and what are the rules in football in general. It's like the most weird sport in other sports. A foul is a foul. It's pretty clear. And in football, what is an offside? What is a handball? It, it varies between leagues and different referees, uh, which puts in some agenda into their decisions, the way they do things. And it shouldn't be like that in sport. In my opinion, that foul, that's a soft foul. It's like six legs on a square meter. And you can't expect them not to touch each other. Uh, so not any contact should be a penalty. If that happens in the middle of the pitch, I don't think it's even a foul. Uh, and it's not like he stepped on him with his You're talking about this right here. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's a step with his toes on his toes. That's mild. Like, if he would have stepped on him with his ankle, you know, like a heavy step that could possibly be an injury even, then it's a different story. But if it's a contact sport, that, I don't know, it's a foul on the edge of the area, um, barely touches him. It doesn't even look like he's hurt, just play acting. It should have think, been a penalty, I think you, in my opinion. I think it would be even worse if all of a sudden, and I know that it sucks because we're on the wrong end of this particular one, but... I think you would open up a much bigger can of worms if all of a sudden we had to measure the amount of contact required to make it a PK. I think that oh, would just be definitely. Things. Yeah, definitely, so, but it already happens anyway. It, it, well, exactly, right? But I mean, soft or hard, whatnot, like I've always said, it, it, it's unfortunately like foul is a foul. Uh, it, it just, I'm more frustrated with the fact that. Morata didn't have to do that being on the outside coming in with Sandro in a good position. Um, but you always leave yourself uh, susceptible to the ref's judgment to VAR. VAR remains, I think Mirko Di Natale put it perfectly, VAR is still a mystery. Like, it's a mystery. Of course it is. You, you, it, we're how many seasons in now, and you still have no idea what's uh, what's going on, what's going to happen, and we'll get to that obviously further on in this one because it does uh, because it does uh, peak uh, its head again. Now we finished the half one nil, and this was uh, extremely frustrating because Juventus played a fantastic, fantastic half. They had that little bit of a letdown after Locatelli left, and the question mark was. Would you make any changes? Would you do anything going into the second half? Do you leave Zakaria and Rabio? Because at this point, Zakaria and Rabio were out there just enough to kind of for us to kind of fall back and Inter had that wave. Omar, at the half, were you content with us just keeping everything the same and moving out there as we were? Yes, yes. You played great. I, I can't emphasize this uh, anymore. Like, you looked great and they dominated the match. Inter got what they wanted it happens we've seen it before we've done it before uh, you look uh, you defend defend and suddenly you find a goal from somewhere it happened against Villarreal. yeah uh, so I was, I was even pretty optimistic i felt like we can come back if uh, things remain the same way uh, but it played into inter's hands 
uh, getting a goal like that, they could just defend it for 45 minutes. And we've seen Juve struggle to get into the area and create chances when teams defend deep. If Inter hadn't scored, then they would they needed to win more than us, and they would have yeah. had to attack more and create more space for Juve. So it played right into their hands. But I was optimistic. Yeah. And uh, I think Dells kind of puts it best. I don't think we can complain about that penalty because we would be livid if we were on the opposite end and didn't get it. So I know I would. I would have been, sh- I would have been shocked if we would have gotten a penalty like that. Oh man, I would see. I would have been upset if we if we didn't get it. I'm kind of thinking the same as Dells. Like it's uh, it's just one of those things. And I mean, we kind of we kind of dealt with that uh, in the next uh, next phase of uh, highlights, which we'll get to. So quick reminder, everybody, while you're here, please, please like the video. Okay. And subscribe if you're new here. Let's, uh, let's, let's get going to this. Uh, Georg actually uh, disagrees. Uh, He's, he thinks uh, it wasn't even a step. He thinks his foot just landed on that same spot uh, that Dumfries happened to land. But I mean, ultimately by rule, they just see it as falling under this umbrella of you always needing to be in control. You always need to be in control of your motions, your actions and whatnot. I, I can see people saying that it's soft or whatnot, but I mean, if it happened to us, I would think I'd, I'd want, and I'd expect the PK. Um, it, it is what it is uh, to each their own. Um, it's, it is what it is. Second half. What, how is Juve going to come out? And you know what? They come out strong and they start playing very, very vertically and uh, doing a lot of good stuff. This is one where Vlaovic turns Skriniar finally because I thought in the first half I needed more out of Vlaovic and I didn't want him to be so ruled out by Skriniar. Skriniar, to his credit, played a strong, strong match, but... I mean, if I think back to when Vlaovic was with Fiorentina this season and Rugani pretty much marked him out, I think of Bremer at Torino and how he marked uh, Vlaovic out. I need to see more, and I find Dusan getting a little frustrated at times. But this was a great turn. Unfortunately for him, it goes just wide. Uh, He's on his off foot, um, and he just curls it and just skins that uh, post. Really, really needed that one uh, to go in. And uh, he was kicking himself in terms of his own reactions. Now we get to uh, this little scenario right here. So the part that's frustrating about this one, and, you know, I'm one that I feel personally that we did so much right and we played such a strong game that we shouldn't be complaining really ultimately, regardless of the ref's uh, decisions and what was going on. Because I will say this. Uh, Lotaro had another brutal scenario with Chiellini. He should have been out. I was shocked that uh, Lotaro still remained on the pitch uh, for this game. But this one here, the ref calls the foul. He puts it outside. VAR checks it. If this is the still frame, how on earth do you say this is outside the area? You this can't. is just this. If if the other thing was a penalty, then this is a penalty too. To be honest, I don't think this is a foul either. Uh, I honestly like. I think call this the one. Foul. I thought this one was uh, on live live look at. I was like, well, this is pretty soft. I was surprised the ref called it 
So the ref called the foul, and I was like, oh, he gave us the foul. When VAR is checking it, and you see this as the still uh, one of the still images, if the ref has called it a foul, and you're still saying it's a foul, and you give the free kick even after VAR has checked it and is in his ear, how on earth, if this is the footage, can you not say that this happened inside the area? You can't. This it's happened straight. inside the area. It's like it goes by the ball and not by the player. Exactly. So it's just the whole, this whole scenario, this is the mystery that is VAR. And it's, this is a wild one. This is a wild one. And it just, it, it literally leaves you, it makes no sense. And uh, this is where the scandals and all this come out. And it's a frustrating one. It, it really, really is. Now, without dwelling on this one too, too far, it is, it, it's wild to me. And, uh, what do you what do you even say? What do you even say? Um, it is what it is. We push through. Zakaria continues playing really, really great in the second half. Rabio had a fantastic game. This pivot caught me right off guard with the two of them. Zakaria makes a fantastic run here, does everything right, has the option of Quadrado, who he could have slipped in here, but uh, he's in great position centrally, and he absolutely hammers this thing. And uh, uh, Handanovic just gets enough uh, with the fingertips to direct it towards, and it goes post and rattles out. And, oh, my God, uh, just, you know, shortly after this, we have just start throwing the ball into the mixer to try and make some. You have a few headers that go errant, but uh, we fall short. And we take uh, the one nil defeat, unfortunately. And uh, here we are. And then you have uh, the uproar. In a brief, brief summary for myself, speaking for myself, I say this. And uh, I still think, you know, in this match, we did everything right. Max did everything right. The players played their hearts out. It was a dogfight. It was nasty. It was chippy. I know the ref made a lot of errors but the thing is is that when these matches this was a chippy and brutal affair those are always the hardest ones to call and i already have low expectations for syria officiating and when you throw the unknown of var into the mix it really is what it is i'm happy the team went out swinging and I take this is an actually a loss that you can still build off of um, because of the way we played. Juventus deserved all the points, but sometimes that really doesn't matter, unfortunately. And uh, it is what it is. And here you have a one nil defeat. But uh, honestly, um, that that was a solid, solid performance. And uh, we can complain about uh, the calls and all this, but at the end of the day, this team needs to score goals. That's how I honestly feel. This team needs to get that scoring confidence up and start banging them in. You can't dominate a team the way we did and have no goals to show for it. So take the calls right out of the mix. We've got to execute much, much better. Uh, that's just me and my summary after it. Omar, your summary. Look, I've seen some Inter fans saying that they haven't seen Inter, Inter dominated like that, even against Liverpool and uh, Real Madrid. This was a good match, unfortunate result. Uh, it happened. It happened before. I, I always said that I'm okay with losing as long as the team gave up a fight and, you know, went down swinging and 
that's what happened yesterday. I I enjoyed the match. I enjoyed watching it. It wasn't one of those games that you just sit in front of the TV and complain about everything. You can we complain about one thing, the referee, but the goal felt like it was coming at every at any given attack. And there were some issues, but I certainly didn't expect it to look like that with Rabio in a two-man pivot controlling the midfield. Like everyone was okay. Some were less, some were more, but in general, the team looked good. And if we play like that again for the rest of the season with the schedule we have, those are guaranteed wins. Those are guaranteed wins. That's what that's what I came out with by the end of the game. I wasn't angry or you know heated like some people were about the game because it was a good game. That's what I heard from a lot of people, a lot of old fans who like the green tie and the fight. That's what they saw yesterday. I was proud of you. Yeah, and I I mean that's why I don't think I was too you know too big in an uproar or whatnot because ultimately I mean. I can't be upset with anything Juventus did. And I was caught off guard by this uh, pivot of Rabio and Zakaria. Um, we were getting chances, a ton of chances. What did leave me frustrated was our set pieces. Um, our corner yeah. kicks were abysmal. Um, awful, awful set pieces. And let's get back to the drawing board on those because... My God, again, when you put a team under the way we put Inter under, you have to have something better to show for. And we wasted so many good set pieces and corners. And it's that's got to be uh, much better. There's almost no threat. And uh, it was way too easy for uh, Inter to uh, deal with that. Now, in terms of uh, this match, again, if you – I mean – Looking at the numbers, 54% possession to 46, 22 attempts, five on target, five attempts, one on target for Inter. That was a PK. If you're telling me eight corner kicks to one corner kick, if we're going to be 15 crosses to five cross, if we're saying at the start of that game, these were going to be the numbers in favor of Juventus, I don't think any of us would have agreed that that's how we would have played this one out. It is what it is, but 22 attempts with only five on target shows a bit of an execution issue, and uh, we've got to dial that in. And still, at the end of the day, you have a crossbar from Kilini. Uh, Kilini completely mishitting that, uh, not getting it right on trying to direct that thing right in front of goal. Uh, he was kicking himself and beating himself up about it. And then uh, Zakaria with a fantastic run, doing everything right, just can't score. And we talk about some other opportunities. Vlaovic had a couple other. He had one where he shot through... Uh, screening our legs and uh it was just curling wide the opportunities were there the the fight in this team was there and we owned that pitch and in the middle of the pitch where it was suspect where inter does their most damage we completely uh dominated them uh this was a great performance that's why i say there are building blocks here now unfortunately in the grand scheme of things that probably Probably kills that little hope that was remaining for making that uh, that run and maybe stealing that Scudetto. Would you agree, Omer? Yeah, but considering our aim by January was top four finish, uh, I'm confident. The Scudetto was a Hail Mary. A lot of stuff needed to happen in order to make that possible. And it, was, it isn't in our hands. It was never in our hands since January. So I'm not... I wasn't counting on it in any way. It would have been a 
spectacular surprise, but top four is still the... And, and we can sneak into third place easily. Inter could drop points. Napoli could drop points. And yeah. we have the easier schedule. We can still make it. I just... I said it before. By the time we have, like, three games remaining to the season, I want the, the top four spot to be secured. We can yeah. take the foot off the gas. And that's about it. Yeah. I think at this point, uh, you know, talking about it post-match, even yesterday after, I just think there's there's no need, I think, to kill yourself anymore and, uh, you know, run guys down too much and really get after. Pretty safe, I'd say, with our remaining schedule that we finish amongst that top four, which really became the objective after that brutal start. And let's be honest, there was people thinking we wouldn't even be in uh we were looking at you know fifth or sixth really ideally not too long ago so the fact that we made the run we're on the fact that we've created that uh, bit of separation is still a massive massive positive okay so now when we uh look in the grand scheme of things Italia, you got to get after that we've got one foot in that final um we gotta we gotta go after that thing you gotta get some piece of hardware so i think uh expect a big big push from juve to get that piece of hardware and i think in syria they'll probably now after this loss regardless of what allegri says or anything like that i think they might might just dial it back and uh, maybe try and preserve some uh some players if they have to because uh we've just been beat up and uh, hurt with injuries and now we're dealing with another one in the middle of the pitch We'll see if uh, Miretti can get some time here and there. Like I said, the schedule is a little bit lighter, so uh, we'll see what ends up happening. But we have some topics uh, coming out of this one that we want to get to. And uh, let's get to uh, basically, uh, first, if you had to choose man of the match, Omar, who's your man of the match for this one? And everybody join us live. Who did you have as that man of the match? I feel like I'm obligated to say Rabio. Yeah. <laughs> but uh don't know if it was man of the match, it was a collective effort. I like everyone had their the defense didn't have to do all that much. The attack was at the end of the day wasteful, even though they created a lot of chances. The midfield was fine. I don't know. It's a tough question. I would I go know. with – I just – I'd have to go with Rabio. I mean, uh, he deserves it for how he played yesterday. Um, maybe this is the Rabio that Max sees in training and is why he's always out there and just doesn't give it to us all the time on the pitch. But I must say, looking at that pivot, there was a couple things that were different. Before we get into we'll just get some of the calls out here. Jeremiah, he says Rabio uh, for sure. Um uh, Luca saying I'd almost give man of the match to Max. Um, yeah, that's interesting because uh, Luca's uh, been no uh, stranger to criticizing Max, but he'd say he'd almost give it to Max. Naveen coming in with Rabio as well. Suarez saying Rabio for us, Brozovic for them. There you go. It is. Okay. Uh, let's go with Rabio. Okay. Let's go with uh, Rabio. So Rabio getting a uh, man of the match. Uh, it was by far the best Adrian Rabio I have seen since he's joined uh, Juventus, hands down. Like I said, maybe this is what Max is seeing. In terms of that pivot, Zakaria and Rabio, maybe just maybe 
giving him more space and having him more centralized, uh, like in a two man pivot is what helped him. And he's not so pinned to that uh, flank where he runs out of space. It's almost like he needs more space to be able to maneuver because as soon as it gets too tight, Rabio just can't do anything and goes backwards. So maybe just that extra bit of space in that pivot is what uh, helps it for him. But your thoughts on this pivot and is, is that a building block we can look beyond to like maybe playing in this four, two, three, one setup more often and thinking about Kiesa joining in later on. But again, we will be losing uh Dybala. Just what are your thoughts on this two man pivot and in general, Juve? Look, it, it, it worked out. Okay. There's no denying that it felt a bit more simplified, like uh, specifically Rabio his role was simplified. Don't, ease up on the forward runs and the one-on-ones do the defensive work first and pass it to whoever, whoever is open and he did that and he did it great as uh, a career complemented it and when you have two midfielders in a pivot then you don't need them that much to join the attack and be inside the box like you do in a 4-3-3 uh, but considering we're losing Dybala I still maintain my opinion that number 10s are are pretty much dead in football today, uh, there are very few who can make it. Thomas Muller, maybe, but maybe this can be a role for Lucatelli if uh, Zakaria and Rabio are behind him or a different uh, defensive midfielder. Uh, but it is a building block. Uh, it is another system we can use against specific teams. Uh, don't know how it would work out against a team that is not Inter or not top tier in Italy or Europe. But if it was any other team, then it's impressive. It's impressive what uh, how it worked out. I don't know if it was tactics or just suited everyone's positions better. I felt like our we suffered from maybe the wingers and fullbacks most uh, in that specific formation. Uh, Quadrado was you no know, the regular Quadrado. Sometimes he does amazing stuff, and sometimes just gives the ball away too cheaply and takes his time making decisions. Morata was, I don't know what he did exactly. He wasn't the type of guy to cross the ball in. He was looking to get into the area all the time. Uh, so maybe with natural wingers, it works out even better. If Chiesa was there, that's a win in my opinion. Yeah. So it is a building block and we can certainly move forward with it. Yeah, I think when I look at this and I, I, I look at this um, four two three one that we went out with and everything, I think... It, Maybe, just maybe, can this kill that fear of how we have to line up and how we have to play? Like, I mean, we limited them to, like, nothing. Like, they were they were pretty much toothless outside of a couple little dicey scenarios where the ball was kind of bouncing around in our area and whatnot. But could this be maybe the match that... Uh, kind of gives Max a little bit more uh, confidence in kind of unleashing a little bit more? Yeah, yeah, I, I think it does because because of the injuries, uh, going to a two-man midfield is logical. Uh, we don't have the men for a three-man midfield and to keep it going week in, week out. Uh, if we had a full roster, then maybe it's a different story and you have players with different elements to the game that you can sub in. But when you're basically all your guys are defensive midfielders it's a good like i wasn't worried about counterattacks. i thought i'd be that inter would defend and go yeah. out and they have counterattacks, but it wasn't a problem we snuffed out everything 
uh, with Chiellini and the league playing higher than usual and Rabio and Zakaria tracking back all the time and uh, just crossing lanes and everything. They stopped everything. Nothing got uh, got through them. There were a few moments where I was a bit shaky, but we snuffed out everything. Yeah, and it's it almost good. like, you know, because you have questions. You have questions that come in like Sal here saying, you know, I agree, uh, Rabio, but was it the system? His quality or his effort? And could this have been him all season? Well, I mean... That's why I was saying earlier, I think in this two-man pivot, you really see how much more space that those guys have. And when you add a third one in there, it all it's almost like we close ourselves in, right? And all of a sudden, you have just a lot of short passes to make. And maybe it makes us slow things down, but the pace, the tempo in which we played at, everything played to our benefits. The, another big thing was we did not have a big number of turnovers, okay? Whereas usually Juventus has a lot of poor, poor turnovers and cheap ones at that. That didn't happen in this match yesterday, and maybe that is because of the system and the way they were spaced out. They were moving the ball crisply um, at good tempo, good pace, and maybe um, it is because of the spacing and the positions of uh, this system and what it allows, but... Uh, in the first half, they could have probably went to Vlaovic a little bit more. Second half, they really got after it and started to play off of him a bit and try to make things uh, open up a bit more and put Skriniar under as Skriniar got a card uh, right at the end of the first half uh, with Quadrado when they were uh, calling for things. But uh, to be honest, uh, yeah, there, there's still a lot of building blocks that we have to look at here. My last question yeah. before we go on to the next segment, and this is for everybody involved, if you see that Rabio finishing off the season consistently in the next string of games, do you think about keeping him? Me, me personally, no. Like it, it did a job that a defensive midfielder should do, and you can find a lot of other guys across Europe to do exactly the same and maybe a bit more, but. He is what we got right now. He's the only midfielder who wasn't injured this season. And so we kind of banking on him. We have no other options. Yeah. And my main thought was uh, what I wanted to see most with this formation is how we react after we score. Because usually we drop back. And I wanted to see if this could be maintained throughout the game. And it wasn't just because it's Inter, then it's a high-intensity game. If we can keep this level of intensity against all opponents or is it just a one-off because of the how important this game was yeah and and that's the thing so i mean ultimately i think rabio's price tag is going to be what kills him um it's still just too much money for uh the return and it seems like that's everybody's uh yeah sal still too expensive uh luis and i would give uh dibala <laughs> rabio's money and uh, uh Mirgan actually saying if that's Rabio, I keep him 100%. If uh, so, yeah, he's he doesn't have much time to uh, show that consistently. Uh, what eight games uh, remaining, but uh, we'll see what ends up happening here. Let's talk about uh, Vlaovic. Uh, I wanted to talk about Vlaovic, uh, kind of got into it a little bit earlier. And uh, are there some concerns there with Dushan Vlaovic? Um, this is another match where. 
facing a stern defender and you can see you can see him get a little rattled um you've seen him get a little rattled with bremer there against torino and whatnot and uh in this one i felt a lot of frustrations in the first half because i felt he was too quick to always just want to take a step and shoot and not really challenge scriniar enough and make life a little bit more miserable for him if we remember to when we were playing certain teams when Vovich came back he was a load he was a handful for these guys and uh, now he's facing the tougher ones but he's he's maybe getting in his own head and uh, rattling i don't know i just I want I want a little more out of him, and I want uh, that mentality that we've heard about, that we've discussed, coming in and taking the number seven, which speaks volumes. Even Del Piero mentioned. I, I don't know. Are there any concerns there with Vlavic? Do you see the same things that I was kind of seeing? No, no. I, I see a young striker who is still learning, and ever since, you know, uh, Messi and Ronaldo broke onto the scene and later Lewandowski. It's kind of expected from strikers to finish the season with 40 goals or they're not good enough. But this is just reality. He's a 20 running world guy against maybe even more experienced uh, defenders. Sometimes it just doesn't work out. Uh, he did score since coming in. He has like, I don't know, five goals. I'm not concerned. If he was a 28-year-old striker, then that's different. There's no room for improvement, but he still has a lot of room for improvement. And he did get the chances. He did whip in a beautiful ball to Morata, who headed it just wide. And he did his part in the game. It was unfortunate to miss that turn. Looked like he slipped backwards, but I'm not concerned. He looks like the real deal, and he's a handful for defenders. Screener was bullying him. Sometimes even unfairly, uh, I must say. So no concerns for me. Yeah, and I think honestly, I don't know when I, I look at Vlaovic and whatnot. It, I I see him getting frustrated when the guys uh, when he faces that uh, type of defender, and uh, sometimes it might be taking him off. And someone raises the question about the pressure: is the pressure too much? I don't think it helps when a, a Riva Bene. I, I said this for a couple reasons. When he said that quote after we found out the breaking news that DiBala was not going to be renewing with Juventus, and he comes out and says the second. Uh, Vlaovic enters he becomes the center of the project I thought it was so unnecessary to say that for not just the reason that you're just throwing salt on the wound with Paolo but you're literally like Vlaovic already knows this Vlaovic already knows this he knows he's got a lot of pressure it's a lot of pressure just to wear the the kit as it is but to even come out and say this and put this on him is just even more. And uh, he's young, like you pointed out. He's still young. He still has to improve. He still has a lot to bring to his game. But there are scenarios, there are moments, and there are chances that I expect him to do better with. That right now, I think I think there's a whole other level to Vlaovic that we haven't been getting yet for whatever reason. I think there's more there, and I'm not necessarily concerned, but I would be lying if I said what we've been getting is exactly what I expected. I'd be lying if I said that. I, I think there's more that we should be getting from them. Look, I, I just think uh, people expect too much from these young fellas. Like, does anyone have any doubts about Holland's 
quality and what he's going to be. But Dortmund are getting battered every other day by teams from all across the league, not just the top teams. So uh, Mbappe missed the most important penalty for France, the one that got them out of the, what was it, the Euros. And no one even ran up to him and to consult him. So we do put a lot of pressure on these youngsters and expect them to act like people compared him to Higuain and said uh, Higuain would have scored that would have scored that 28 year old Higuain when he came to Juve would have scored that 21 year old Higuain I'm not so sure so let's give him the time he needs because just the pressure is too much at this point for these young fellas to play at such a high level and in front of a packed stadium in the biggest game in Italy everything lower your expectations and you might be surprised if they're too high you probably will get disappointed that that's the way i see it i think it still needs room to grow same as mbappe or holland or any other young fella out there not everyone is born messy and can have a 16-year career where he just scores 40 goals a season it doesn't work like that not for the best players ever and we shouldn't act like zidane or the ronaldo from brazil didn't have any bad games ever Everyone has them, especially as young players. It will evolve, it will learn from it, and we will get a better striker next season and the season after. I'm I'm part in of this it. in the second half of this one, though, you saw the switch. You saw the switch because he did start to try to take Skriniar on a little bit more, and he did try to make and he made a great turn on the one, but then again, the follow-through that has to hit the target from there. When you've done everything right, you're surrounded by three players, you've done everything right to open that up off foot or not i think he's got to uh he's got to hit the target with that um but i agree again again it's it's still early on he's still young and whatnot we we get this and everything and uh i'm just saying i think there could be a little more and it's almost like somebody talked to him at halftime in this one and said hey like start taking those chances start trying to dribble him start putting him under especially with screening being on a yellow so I did see a little bit of a flip there. And that's actually should be a positive. That should be a positive that uh, he did start to do it in the second half and whatnot. But I would have liked it earlier on and whatnot. And maybe it could have required more assistance for Skriniar had he had done that and could have opened something up uh, for another player, right? But regardless, it's not an issue. It's not a huge thing or whatnot. But I think in terms of Vlaovic uh, no, right were now... A lot there were a lot of instances okay to, uh, uh, ask for a little bit more and there's a lot of juventini saying he looks a different player than when he was at fiorentina but teams play juventus a lot there's a lot it's not apples to apples playing for fiorentina playing for juventus it's not apples to apples uh no. we've already talked about the weight of just playing for those teams is different the way other clubs play those teams is different there's a lot to it uh but we want to talk now about Allegri, you want to talk about uh, Allegri specifically and whatnot, and I'm going to let you take this part over, Omar. I'm going to remind everybody, please like the video and start dropping your questions for Storm the Barn, okay? And that's where you guys get to fire away rapid-fire questions, and uh, I'll highlight some, pick some, and we'll uh, do our best to uh, give brief answers. But, uh, Omar, let's talk about Allegri. Yeah, I I saw something from Allegri yesterday in his behavior that I've, I've never seen from him, ever. Being this angry on the sidelines, yelling at the referees, not, it wasn't even at the players. And 
maybe there's something to it. I don't know. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it just, you know, we had enough with all those refereeing decisions. It took like 10 minutes to finalize this penalty since it was first whistle. I remember him throwing his jacket. It's a trademark move, but it happened in the past when we won and we fell to a pressure near the end and he didn't want to lose the game or tie it, which is understandable. This is the first time I see him react that way when we're losing, just yelling at the referees. And I don't know, maybe someone in the chat can refresh my memory if it happened before, if you've seen him act like this before. And what do you think it is? Is it uh, just the pressure of, you know, from the management, from everything going on? Uh, or is it just the refereeing that got him this upset? What? I don't know. I have no answer for it, but it was weird. Seems like he lost it, and Allegri is never the guy who loses it. Yeah, I think, I think maybe if you see your team going out there, doing everything right, doing everything right, bossing this game, and it's still not working, and you have what we all felt like was a ref that was not doing us any favors there's at some point after scenario, after scenario, after scenario, after scenario, after scenario, you're going to hit a boiling point. And I think he just reached a boiling point. Cause I mean, we all agree. How does Lotaro stay out there for 90 minutes or whatever till he got subbed late in the game? It should have never happened. Realistically. Um, if we're all saying that first play a minute and a half in, regardless of it being the first infraction could have easily been a red. How on earth does he get by on the challenge on Chiellini? Um, how on earth, there was another scenario too that could have easily been uh, his uh, second yellow and whatnot. So you have that. You have them earning the PK. Very, very similar situation. Not going our way in the second time, but it still remains a foul, whatnot. Like it's just, uh, you've got Locatelli taking an absolute beat down. You have Skriniar playing hockey for most of uh, the match uncalled because you even said as tough as he played Vlaovic, a lot of it was what seemed to be fouls. Um, if we're being honest, um, you have all this going on. I think naturally, yeah, you're going to hit a boiling point. And, and the whole time your team is still dominating is still bossing this game and they can't find that breakthrough. I think, I think it's natural that he's just gonna, he's just gonna lose it. Right. Yeah. But he lost it. Early, he lost it uh, he threw his jacket after the, the penalty was retaken. That was the part that snapped him. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I've never seen him like that. Uh, and the team reacted. It, it looked like it worked on the team. I don't know what he said in the dressing room afterwards, but the team came out guns blazing to the second half and kept it all the way through the 90s. They got frustrated and everything, but they did continue to play well and did it. It, this could have easily another inter goal and everything would have crumbled, but they didn't allow it. Maybe it's because yeah. of Allegri, maybe it isn't, but maybe something is starting to crack there. It it goes to the to the question of the refereeing because it feels like it happens a lot lately, a lot more this season. The other and thing is too, um, you know, I think if we look at this and. Uh... Ah, you look at it, Max, because I mean, yeah, it was right after that PK scenario, but I mean, it's the whole thing. It's uh, 
it's a mess. And you had those Latoro instances ahead of it. So when you start feeling that way and at halftime, maybe Max created that picture. Us against the world. And honestly, that's the mentality we should always carry. We should always carry that mentality that's us against everybody. You, I don't know if it's necessarily you. It might have been Frankie and myself. It seems like we had this discussion and we were talking about Juventus just needs more assholes too. Like we could be fine with a couple more assholes in the lineup. And a guy, young guy like Pellegrini always plays with that chip on his shoulder. And I actually like that about him, that he's a guy that makes players on the other team think about him. And they're like, man, this, like, you know, he just gets under your skin. And all of a sudden, you've got guys paying more attention to this little prick than they are on the big scheme of things, right? And Juve could stand to maybe make that shift. And maybe that's the point where Max finally hit his boiling point and says, you know what? Forget it. Let's get after everybody. Let's go after this. It's us against everybody, even this ref or whatnot, because it's pretty wild. Rabio's words after the game, too. I mean, he didn't hesitate. He puts his Instagram yeah. post and he says, yeah, great game. I'm proud of everybody. We did well. What are you supposed to do when it's uh, 11 against 12? Yeah. I didn't like that all that I don't much. necessarily – I said I give him props for saying how he feels. I don't necessarily feel that way because – I bet you he's going to get fined. Probably, but props to him for saying that. Like, if that's how you truly feel, but I personally said I don't feel that way because at the end of the day, again, if you dominate a team the way we did, you have to have something to show for it, and that still shows poor execution on our point. Uh, wanting the calls, wanting that, that's fine and dandy. We still did so much outside of that that we needed to show goals for it. Um, so I don't necessarily feel that way. What was your – let's have you uh, elaborate on uh, Rabio's thoughts. And you didn't like it, you said. Yeah, we – we you may have this mentality of staying classy. It's always been like that. We let everyone else complain about the refs. We will act on the pitch. And I don't remember any players complaining about it, you know, on Instagram posts and interviews, it's just not our thing. It's something that reserved for the rest of the league. Only other fans like to complain about referees for Juve. And I like that thing about us because in some way, it's a bit of a loser mentality to blame everything else, but not look at yourself and what you can improve and what you can do wrong. And that's what I like about Juve. Always, we had this class. Uh, in the way we approach interviews and the way we interact with the media and keep sometimes keep things to ourselves and not let you know all the dirty laundry out that's something that's very Juve like and this type of post it's not horrible he hasn't said anything that <laughs> isn't true but i didn't like it that much uh, keep your restraints because there's nothing you can do about it anymore it's done even if they penalize the referee for some reason and gets demoted to serie b doesn't matter. The result will remain as it stands. So there's just no point to it. Uh, yeah. Basically, coming from a player, we fans, we can bitch about it as much as we want and put all the posts we want out there. We do it for the team. There's no need for the players to do it either. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that's well said. It is what it is. I mean, I I didn't really like. It. I found it interesting too that Chiellini and I believe it was Bonucci also liked it. Um, 
Yeah, there's Kalini and somebody else that liked it. Uh, so it's it's funny. It's just the whole thing's funny. But I mean, honestly, if you're gonna ramp guys up at halftime and you're gonna paint that picture of us against the world and whatnot, you kind of open the door to stuff like that happening in today's uh, world. Because you know, if we talk about Juve and the way they were in the past, well, social media was not what it was. Yeah, in the past, I agree. and things could have easily gone in that direction because uh you know it it is what it is like you're you're trying to draw this reaction out of your players if you're painting that picture and you're trying to get them to go this route and sometimes yeah they just it it ends up becoming you become one with this mentality and whatever and it can come out it's like an actor it's like an actor when they're playing a role and they literally start to lose it and start to become this person or whatnot uh, for a while. And it almost takes them a while after the movie to snap out of it. Um, sometimes they don't snap out of it and they just keep that character. We've seen some uh, lives get ruined from it. So it's kind of the same scenario. And if social media was what it was back then, we might've seen it um, as it is. It's really hard to gauge in that aspect because it's so different. Yeah. Yeah. But in the past it came from managers and players of other teams. That's why I like our managers and players not uh, commenting on that after games, which were clear, awful chances made against us. Uh, now it's coming from the fans and social media. Fine. Okay, fans are allowed to do that. It's just part of the game. It happens in every league to every team. And yeah. you, have, you probably have tons of pictures that prove some arguments to this team and to that team, and everyone has them. Uh, this is just the way media works today because uh -huh. it's not only coming from fans these photos are coming from journalists and uh, broadcasters and everything and yeah. so if everyone is covering it then the players you know i understand where it's coming from i i sincerely do let's see if we can yeah. put a lid on it until an let's... interview or anything yeah, let's try and get to some of these store in the barns as we uh, wrap up real quick. We've got uh, Luca saying, was yesterday our best 11? If not, who do you change? For me, it's really simple. It's not our best 11 because Chiesa is not in there. Um, but uh, that's really simple. I, I think it's, I mean, best 11, we haven't seen the 4-2-3-1 enough to really even say if that is the best 11 in that setup. It was definitely our best game of the season. I'll, I'll say that it was our best uh, overall performance of the season, just missing the goals. Omar, what do you think? Yeah, we, we might have just, it could go either way. We might have just caught Inter off guard with that formation and they weren't ready to it. Or this is the one that fits our players best. So yeah. time will tell. We can't judge by one game. Uh, I'll ask you this. If you put in Chiesa, who's out? Morata or Cordobado? Morata for me. Morata, okay, I agree. Yeah, um, but I feel like we're still missing some high-profile winger if we are to move in that route. And the the fullback game, the fullback game. Every team I watch, the fullbacks contribute to the attack a lot. They add like six goals a season each, and our fullbacks are contributing nothing. Yeah, in the in the attack. So Sandro is definitely not in our best excitement or any best 11. And Danilo is fine. He's more in charge of a defensive work and he stays down like a third midfielder, like a third defender. And so if one of them stays back, that's fine. But the one who joins the attack, 
has to have attacking qualities to him, has to get into the box. Uh, that Zakaria shot, uh, left back should have been there to, for the rebound. That's his exact position when we attack. Yeah. And Sandro is just not that type of guy. So yeah. he's out. Chiellini, I don't know, say because he's leaving at the end of the season. So is Bala. So I'm, I can't say that it's our best 11 maybe for this season, but we can't bank on it because a lot of these faces won't be here next season. Yeah. According to reports, at least five. Yeah, exactly. So uh, CJ Gerardo, now let's get to the next one. Uh, will Tech start in a Coppa Italia final? I say he start him. Yep. I don't think so. They, they're staying loyal to to the second goalkeeper who played Can the he? entire tournament. Yeah. They tend yeah. to do that. Um, I don't maybe, know. Depending maybe on they how give it to Padim, whatever. I'd say start to. I mean, it's always like. Uh, it's tough. You you let Perrin take the Copita, take it all. I get it. I could see the other way, which is like uh, a nice nice thing for the vets and stuff too. So it is what it is. I'm fine with either, to be honest. And I found it shocking to hear that uh, he would probably re-sign Perrin. I'm expecting him to go somewhere to get the starting uh, starting minutes and whatnot. So it's interesting. Um, let's scan for some more here. Why is everyone against Juve off and on the field? Because we're the best team in Italy um, historically. And people love to go against that. Take a look at all major sports around the world. The best teams historically are the most hated teams. Yeah, Man United is the most hated team in England. Real Madrid is the most hated team in Spain. It's it just the, the way New York goes. Yankees uh, of baseball. Like it's like it's natural for the majority to want to go against the uh, serial winners. It's nature. Um, yeah, a, a win or a draw for Venezia against Juve is a big celebration for ninety percent of Syria. That's the highest they can get to top level European football. So a win for them doesn't matter where they end up in the season. If they beat Juve, they've done their part, and it trickles down to the fans. And that's the upside of being uh, the best team in the league historically. Yeah. Let's see if we can slip uh, one or two more. Dybala's been referred to as a Juventus legend. Do we still feel that was now that he's leaving? Where's the line for who's a legend? Is it based on time performance? Oh, this is a tough one, Sal, for Storm the Barn. We had a couple discussions about this before, and whether, however you label it, uh, we de- we determined that there are tiers to it. Um, Dybala is pro- is one, like, there's guys that uh, people consider legends, and for me, they're even above legend, but if you want to name them as legends, there's guys that nobody's going to ever match for Juventus and they're kind of in their cut above. I would say Paulo's just below, just below that because it's hard to deny him completely in my opinion, because of the fact he's top 10 all time on our scoring list and he's third best foreigner for numbers. So he's a tier below, but there's guys that are going to be untouched, clear, clear miles, miles. And that tier below, there's a still a big gap. From guys like uh, ADP and uh, Buffon and uh, Bonaparte and you know Sivori and stuff like that. So Omar, uh, real quick on this. Yeah, we've talked about it a lot, so I won't expand too much. There's just uh, there are players who are 
the best players in a certain a specific point in time legend means something you will remember forever and Dybala falls to me into that same rank with uh, Didier Deschamps for example or Davids to symbolize a certain era of Juve but you won't remember him as, as being the best ever as the legends anyone who's seen Juve in the 70s 80s 90s has a different players that they adored as children, as teenagers. And that's where Dybala falls for me. He's done a lot for Juve. He's not Del Piero, he's not Baggio, he's not Buffon. Uh, but he does deserve recognition. So an icon is the word for me. Yeah. Um, last, not least, I mean, we've got a couple quick ones. In hindsight, do you guys feel Max should have started with Tichilio rather than Sandro because there wasn't any real threat from the left? I think we both said uh, 150% do not start Sandro. So Omer and I both said that on Match Day Live. We would have went with uh, DeShilio, not even just in hindsight, but ahead of it. That was Match Day Live. You guys can check it. We said don't start uh, Sandro. We would go with uh, DeShilio for a number of reasons. Um, we have Inter has destroyed Italian Calcio. Sibarella Bastoni goes against North Macedonia and they play better against you. The 2010 Champions League final, Inter has no Italian state or your thoughts. There's much, much more that hurt Italian football. Obviously, uh, Calciopoli, Farsopoli hurt Italian football. Right now, the numbers are staggering, though, and uh, we pointed it out on the All UV Cast Twitter account, and we've covered it in this show. You have 53% foreigners across the league. You have 8% club-trained players, and you have the highest average league age out of the top five leagues. Those three statistics all go against uh, Italian uh, football. Then you have the infrastructure and the production value, which is an issue as well. There's a number of issues for them to correct, Putting it on uh, the club we hate seems a little easy. Uh, let's just leave them as the snakes they are and uh, say that Italy needs work. That's how I answer it. Uh, Omar, anything you want to touch on out of there? No, you, you summed it up. It comes down to just uh, academies that are at low level in Italy. So once in a while, a few talents come out and break onto the scene, but it's because of their talents, not because of the academies they grew in. So I have no, just, I can't blame anyone for it. Just, we don't have the facilities to build a generation after generation of top tier players. So they Absolutely. have to shop abroad. Yeah. And Del, uh, Anish with a nice dog, Omar, giving you the props there. That's our uh, AJC mascot. And then we have Del saying that's a disgusting stat. It really is. And I've said, you know, Italy can do themselves some favors and the young Italian players by uh, scrapping these 35-year-old, 34-year-old journeymen who are playing for their sixth or seventh Serie A side and start funneling in the young Italian players uh, across teams in the league because there's no need for us to see these journeymen go from team to team like it's not doing anything. And would that really be a detriment to the league to have more young guys funneling through there? No, we are the, in all those statistics, 53% foreign players, um, highest uh, Italy out of the top fives, uh, 8% club trained players. Um, Spain, I think, was the highest, pushing around the 30% mark, okay? So big, big gap there. Uh, a lot of work to be done in Italy. Kush, this is probably where we'll finish up. Are we still in fourth at the end of the season? Kush says he thinks so after that performance. I think Juve can do enough, and I still, looking at the other team schedules, say we probably get third, to be honest. Um, I, I'm saying third uh, right now as we sit Omar. 
Yeah, I agree. Third is my opinion. Yeah, I think that's where uh, we will sit. Uh, everybody, tough one, tough one. But, uh, you know, Homer and I discussed it. For us, uh, it wasn't uh, that uh, tough a pill to swallow. And we can run around scandals and conspiracy theories and all this. But at the end of the day, this is a story that we can really look at from the start of the season till now, and that's execution. And we are not clinical enough. We have scored few goals. This team has only scored 20 goals out of their home game so far at home, only 20 so far. Okay. That's simply not good enough. It is what it is. Uh, we went out and dominated a team that nobody expected us to dominate the way we did yesterday. And you have to have something to show for it. Ref, being poor or not, you've got to put the ball in the back of the net, and that's a problem that has followed Juventus this season. Yeah, Let, let's just start games assuming that the ref is going to be awful and don't expect any fails from him. Yeah, yeah. So, is what it is. Um, we move on. Like I said, uh, even pre-match or whatnot, in all honesty and looking at it realistically, that game was bigger for them than it was Juventus. We have known our objectives for a while. We are on pace to achieve those objectives. We had a strong January. Let's back it up with a solid summer and let's see uh, how long it's going to take us to start getting back in the chase. After the work that we've seen be put into this season, I'm confident that at the start of the next season, we will be in that mix from the beginning till the end and I see a different outcome next season. I truly, truly do believe that. And I expect big things this summer. And uh, I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, Copa Italia, though, go all in, guys. And let's get that trophy at the bare minimum, okay? I don't like the jerseys with nothing on them. I got to have at least at least that Copa Italia badge on it. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. But, Omar, would you agree um, that next season, after a big summer, could be the time where we get in there? Yeah, yeah, it looks like uh, there is money to go around. Demiral and Kuru are doing really great for their team, so that's like 70 million already. Uh, there is a room to play. There are players on the market with uh, finished contracts and everything. Just have to take those opportunities as they come and let the management do its work. I, I feel exactly the same as you. And regarding this season, we're basically in the same position we were last year. Um, so not much has changed. We're closer there's, to fourth spot. You betcha. And there's going to be big, big change. We're already seeing it. Okay, so Kilini will part ways. Uh, Dybala will part ways. It was sad that uh, their last Derby d'Italia had to go out in that manner. Um, it's not going to get any easier as the season starts to wind down to say goodbye to these guys. But there's going to be a big, big shift at Juventus and there's going to be a big big change and we got to think if this is one of our best like one of our worst seasons start looking at some of our rivals and what they've gone through for the years and years and years Juve's got it pretty good we'll never die we'll never go out they tried to kill us and they can't do it okay so we've been through hell and back and uh, we came back even stronger so the turnaround for me just a matter of time, but uh, let's see what uh, these new uh, players can do uh, at the start of the season from the beginning and what they can bring. But uh, this was uh, a fight that Juve's put up this season that nobody expected and nobody would have ever guessed that we would be even talking about a Scudetto this time of the season 
and we put ourselves in a position to do just that. So that leaves me excited for the beginning of the next one, okay? But this season, I'd say don't kill yourself in Syria. Get your job done. You know, if the other teams drop points, you still got to get after results. We still got to get after results. But let's see what we have. Maybe you could look at some of the youngsters too. Copitalia, though, let's get that trophy, okay? But everybody, thank you for uh, coming here venting letting it all out in the live chat we love being together with all of you we love the support thank you again everybody who came out to cafe juventus in toronto yesterday made it such a great event uh we're gonna look at doing that more we'll be back next week i probably won't be here i actually won't because i'll be uh, i might make an appearance but i'll be at a tournament uh out of town so i'll be actually playing excited to get back out there and doing that the first time in three years that we're traveling for a tournament because obviously COVID killed that. So pump for that. But I'm sure uh, the team will, uh, you guys are all in great hands and they'll bring you all the coverage you guys need next weekend as we'll have Gagliari on Saturday. Okay. So until then, I'll bring you all the news updates. But thanks again for the support. Like the video if you're new here. Subscribe to the channel. All UV cast, all UV, all the time. And no matter what, it's Fino Alafina, Forza Juventus. Okay. Ciao, tutti. Till next time.